everyone. This is Alan Schimmel of DevOps.com here for another DevOps chat. Got a really special DevOps chat today, joined by uh, a good friend of mine, but also well known within the in the DevOps world and the security world, Mr. Gene Kim. Gene, welcome to DevOps Chat. Hey, great to be here again, Alan. I hope all goes well with you. All goes well here, and of course, I I assume all's going well with you. Though you know you're not too busy. Not nothing, not nothing coming down the pike, huh, Gene? <laughs> um, of course, we're being. It just hit me that uh, DevOps Enterprise in London is only three weeks away, and uh, yes, I was kind of panicked. In fact, uh, lining up all the plenary talks to uh, talks again with them, and uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. It's uh, going to be a, a phenomenal conference. Yep. So, just in case uh, any of our listeners may not be aware, yes, it's three weeks away. DevOps uh, Enterprise Summit London is June fifth and sixth, and it's at the QE two Center which is near sort of uh, Westminster and in, in that area, correct, Gene? Uh, yes, indeed. In fact, um, it, it's, uh, I, my understanding is it's right across the street from the uh, UK Department of Work and Pensions, which is one of the uh, largest government agencies. Uh, food, it would actually be the fifth largest uh, commercial organization. So uh, uh, it's just uh, right in the heart center of uh, London. Excellent, excellent. So, Gene, I, I think the last time we spoke, you said you had about, what was it, about 40, 40 organizations presenting at, at Does London this year? Uh, this year it's going to be 27. Oh, sorry. Uh, so it was last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, uh, we have about seven speakers who are uh, going to be presenting about the continuation of uh, their journey. So, uh, uh, about uh, many organizations, uh, how the DevOps journey is progressing there, including um, uh, Hiscox, an insurance company, uh, at six, the, the uh, Swiss Stock Exchange, uh, Barclays, um, as well as at Ingenico uh, and others. So we have a number of uh, repeat speakers sharing. Uh, we'll be hearing about year two of their journey, or maybe it's not longer during that, but that will, for the second year in a row, we get to hear about uh, uh, what they've achieved since the obstacles and how they overcame them. And we have a whole bunch of uh, new experience reports uh, that came in through the CFP uh, Process to call for uh, presentations, including Allianz uh, Deutschland, um, as well as um, Swisscom, Orange, uh, oh, just a organization spanning almost every industry vertical. So I'm, I'm super excited uh, about uh, this year's conference. Absolutely. Gene, I wanted to focus in on, and I think you mentioned six or seven kind of repeat or returning speakers from last year, and you you gave us some of the names. I think ING is probably in there too, though it may be a different person from ING speaking. All right. Yeah, right. But, you know, what, one of the things that I find interesting about does is this kind of Getting to follow, you know, picking your favorite character, favorite characters as if it's a reality or a some sort of documentary, and we follow these people from year to year, checking in on their on their DevOps progress or or maybe in some cases lack of progress. But to me, that that you know, it's something that you don't see at other events. Is that something you've done consciously, or it just kind of happened that way? 
Yeah, very much so. In fact, I mean, I think one of the things that, uh, especially in the San Francisco conference, we're going to year four. You know, I think we do a lot of, uh, you know, checking, double checking, right? And, you know, for me personally, it's very great to follow these leaders. You know, uh, that you know, these are very courageous journeys that they're leading, and to be able to follow their fortunes. Uh, you know, in almost every case, uh, there'd be more and more responsibility. But for me, it's just a just a tremendous intrinsic motivation to follow these people and see where it goes, because essentially, I think you know. Uh, you know, they are paving the trail the rest of us will be walking down uh, and following uh, in the years to come for most organizations. So it really is like a glimpse into the future for, uh, you know, the rest of us. In the programming committee, uh, which I rely on a lot to make sure that, you know, is this really the conference that, uh, um, you know, creates the most amount of value for the community? Uh, you know, I keep asking them, is like, is this... Uh, do we want to hear these repeat stories? You know, does it create a certain, certain sense of uh, monotony? Does it get boring? And uh, uh, it has been clearly, um, you know, no, this is uh, some of the most valuable parts. Uh, the other thing that we heard from the program committee and attendees is that uh, also need new case studies. In fact, it was Jason Cox from Disney. Uh, he said, you know, I go to the conference also to get, get new case studies because I need that to help give more ammo, you know, uh, to um, dev up at Disney. So, you know, I think that's also why we're very uh, specific uh, and very, very deliberate about inner call for submissions, uh, you know, and even at the conference, if you have a story there, uh, please, uh, you know, we encourage them to submit. In fact, uh, the presentation from Orange, the uh, French telecom that serves 23 countries, actually from um, uh, a woman, she uh, was uh, at the conference last year, and she was so uh, invigorated and inspired uh, and also had confidence that, you know, she, she and uh, uh, the cohort of and the coalition that she's built, um, you know, actually do have a Relevance. So I'm super excited about uh, about that. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, Gene, on this subject, though, as as we spoke about earlier, <clears throat> I find it really useful, and and it's always nice to have more case studies. I get it. <clears throat> and if you're looking for case studies, really look no further than the DevOps Handbook. Right, that's chock full of case studies. But and we'll return to that in a second. But what I like is sort of the long look over time, you know, maybe it's time-lapse photography, if you will, as an analogy of the DevOps transformation taking place at these organizations, right, where we see it kind of blossom out from a single, maybe a single team or a single instance into multiple teams, multiple instances. And then, you know, in some of these organizations, you see it going enterprise-wide. And to me, that is really, yeah, uh, yeah, so, you know, it's, it's bad. I'm, you know, absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, uh, for example, one of the people speaking is uh, Jonathan Fletcher. Mm -hmm. And so he was uh, recently promoted to be the interim CTO of all of Fletcher's. Also, a multi-billion dollar, uh, sorry, multi-billion, you know, U.S. dollar equivalent uh, revenue company. Um, and, you know, the fact that uh, he's being asked to help elevate the state of the practice for the entire organization. And the uh, Tom Clark from ITV, uh, his area of responsibility essentially was not just um, the Linux estate, but now the Linux and Windows estate. So I just love seeing uh, these people who are pioneering these practices essentially getting rewarded um, and being asked to make a more material contribution to the rest of the organization. Yeah, I think what also makes it very satisfying is you know I think from a uh, scientific perspective, you know a lot of what we do in the state of DevOps report, uh, you could call them. It's kind of like a cross-population study. Over the years, we've 
benchmarked over 25,000 respondents. And so that's the um, scientific mechanism that we, you can generate findings like, you know, smoking does lead to early morbidity uh, and cancer. Uh, but uh, an even more powerful instrument, uh, you know, is the longitudinal study where you actually follow people through time as you, um, you know, follow the mirror and you can, can see how they progress. So I would never make claims that, you know, that level of scientific rigor is what we're doing. But, uh, you know, the ability to be able to track um, these people principles and practices and seeing what the outcomes are, you know, that is a, a very powerful um, uh, way to be able to observe, you know, which things are successful and which ones aren't. Sure. And, and you know, harping on the which ones aren't, Gene, I, I do think, you know, that that is a part of the story. It's a part of life. Not Not every one of these sort of case studies, if you will, are going to be successful. I, I think, you know, we, we're not looking for feel-good movies here. We're looking for reality. And, and we, learn, we learn as much or more from those that aren't successful than we do from those that are successful. And um, I'm, I'm yeah, one of the comments – oh, yeah, one of the comments that uh, you know, we've gotten over the years is that some of these feel like uh, almost fairy tale, you know, feel-good stories. And – yeah, I think there is some uh, notion of the survivor survivor bias, right? Is that uh, in mm-hmm. the business literature, one of the problems with uh, um, case studies is that you only get to see the ones who survive. You never get to see the ones the who uh, are no longer around to tell their story, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we've asked, um, and yet we don't want to uh, joke failures. So we've asked every one of the presenters, uh, and I've worked with them to really help um, highlight the obstacles they've faced. Uh, so we do, we do want to showcase people who are winning, uh, but we want to make sure that uh, uh, that each one of the stories showcases you know, several specific difficulties or obstacles they've had to overcome, or importantly, how did they overcome those obstacles? And so, uh, and, and you know, what didn't work as well, right? So again, we want to showcase the best in the game uh, so we can learn from them, uh, as well as be able to showcase you know, uh, what things they learned and what things uh, didn't work as planned. Sure, sure, and that makes perfect sense. So Gene, I, I won't, you know, we're running uh, quickly out of time here, as we always do. But I wanted to uh, turn a little bit to the DevOps handbook, right? I, I think for last year's London event, the handbook, maybe the, uh, like a pre-release version, or what do you call a book before it's officially released? There, I, I, I remember yeah, seeing it was, it was a copy. pre-release galley. It was, uh, didn't even have- <laughs> <laughs> yep. But I, I do remember seeing it there. Of course, now the book has been out a good couple of months you know, near a year. What what kind of feedback have you gotten from people? What what lessons have you learned in talking to people from it about it? No, I'm just so delighted at the the feedback and the reception of the book. I mean, I think uh, you know, the best thing I've uh, type of feedback, uh, uh, constructive, kind feedback, you know, is that you know it really is living up to. Yeah, what we had hoped is that it is the nonfiction prescriptive companion guide to the Phoenix Project. Uh, and so yeah, I think it was in the last page of the Phoenix Project, you know, the uh, you know the Yoda character um, Eric, he had instructed our protagonist Bill to go write uh, what we were calling the DevOps cookbook. <laughs> and so uh, you know that was uh, a really uh, presaged that this book was coming out. Um, and so you know having you know taken over five years. 
uh, to write the book with Jez Holland Wills, Patrick Dubois. I mean, it's just, uh, I, I can't overstate how much anxiety and even fear there was that the book wouldn't live up to expectations. So you know, I'm just delighted that uh, you know, people are getting value in the book, especially around the case studies. There's 48 case studies in the book, and uh, a lot of those came from the DevOps Enterprise Summit. So uh, uh, what a relief that was, Alan. Yeah, no, it, it certainly was, Gene. And, and again, you know, sometimes oh, the oh, best... Can I tell you like, what I sold it on? <laughs> yeah. They say for all the talk of uh, information security is good for DevOps, uh, they say, how, how come you made it the last chapter? <laughs> so so uh, that's true. Um, you know, the security section does belong, you know, is uh, in uh, its section... It's part six, and it starts page 309, so uh, gentle ribbing that, uh, you know, for all that I'm supposed to care about security, why do I, why did we put it, uh, uh, you know, it's actually mentioned in, on page two <laughs> that, uh, you know, myth is that DevOps is inconsistent with security objectives throughout the book, but uh, I thought it was very funny and amusing that uh, uh, people took umbrage that, you know, it was actually put to the very end. Um, kind of funny. <laughs> you know what, you know, Gene, you and I both come from security. It, it's always at the end, isn't it? <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, that's part of the problem. Every stage of daily work. <laughs> uh, you know, one of my favorite phrases in the book is that, you know, part of the job of DevOps to make information security a part of everybody's job every day. Uh, and, uh, you know, so my uh, rigorous... Uh, Kind of rebuttal is like you know that's uh, hopefully integrated. You know everyone is reminded in every chapter of the book that information security does have a role. It's really part of uh, everybody's job. It's not just infosec's job. Absolutely. Actually, you know what? This year at uh, RSA APJ in Singapore, I'm doing another DevSecOps event in July because not only is security everyone's job, but this is really becoming a global mantra, Gene. Where it's not just EMEA in London and Paris and, and Berlin or Amsterdam or here in the U.S. It's all over the world. And, um, you know, we're already getting a tremendous amount of, of interest because it is important, which I guess begs the question, when will we see a does AP? Asia Pacific. I have no idea. Uh, uh, man, there's uh, so many things to do, Alan. Who knows? Uh, may maybe, maybe someday. Okay. Well, I, I, you know, I think it is ripe. Um, but Gene, back back to the DevOps Handbook. Though, I, I wanted to just mention, you know, for all of the great stories in there, what what you know, looking back on it, what is one case study that didn't make the book that maybe perhaps now you'd say, geez, I, I would have liked to have included that. Oh gosh! Oh yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there's actually uh, you know six case studies that didn't make it into the book that we had to cut due to uh, just uh, the size of the manuscript. Um, but if there's one that I would have loved to have, uh, uh, one that we just never got around to writing because it just happened too late, was the Ron von Kamenada, um story from ING. So this was the CIO of ING Bank. You know, a leading organization of uh, 7,000 software engineers. And it's just one of those breathtaking stories of leadership. And I think I've mentioned in a previous chat with you that, you know, I think in a just 
universe, you know, every technology organization you know, would have needing it. Uh, so maybe in 10 years, we'll be closer to that uh, state. But I, I, uh, that, that video of his talk was just, um, had a lot of personal significance to me. And I, I wish we had, uh, uh, maybe in a future edition of the DevOps Handbook, uh, I would love to add that uh, it's personally very important to me because I think it really shows uh, the, the role of leaders uh, at the very, very top in terms of setting the tone, creating a learning organization. Um, it's not just about reorganizing, you know, doing reorgs and changing the org chart around. It really is uh, really changing the way, uh, the expectation of what it means to lead teams and what it is to be a manager. Absolutely. Well, Gene, listen, I, I, I this time always goes way too quick. We're going to need to, uh, call it a day on this uh, episode of DevOps Chat. But as you said, we're just three, four weeks away now, three and a half weeks away perhaps, from Does London on uh, June 5th and 6th at QE2 Center. Gene, I, I know the early bird pricing is probably ended, but are there still tickets left for maybe someone who wants to attend? Oh, yes, uh, there are. Absolutely. And uh, I just go to devopsenterprise.io uh, and uh, there's the complete program listed, uh, as well as um, information on all the speakers. And I'd love to uh, see everyone there in London uh, three weeks from now. Fantastic. Gene Kim, organizer of the DevOps Enterprise Summit, author of The Phoenix Project and the DevOps Handbook, and all-around DevOps guru guy. Thanks for being our uh, guest on this uh, episode. Can't end it on the word guru, and as a, a DevOps enthusiast, head enthusiast. Um. Well, it looked like someone already took the Godfather label, so uh, <laughs> that was out in Austin last week. But anyway, Gene, I'm looking forward to seeing you in London. I'm really looking forward to a fantastic Does London this year. I can't wait, and uh, we'll see you in just a couple of weeks. Thank you, Alan. As always, and I'll see you in London in three weeks. Okay, this is Alan Schimmel for DevOps.com. You're listening to DevOps Chat, and we hope to see you again soon. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye.